G'day everyone. For those who came in late, you're listening to Expand the Phantom Podcast. 500 years ago, he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck. And upon the skull of the man who killed his dad, he said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy, injustice and cruelty. And all my sons will follow me, so evildoers will believe that this man cannot die. The Phantom! The ghost who walks the Enemies beware The phantom's always there But you won't find the phantom He finds you G'day everyone, we're the team from Chronicle Chamber and tonight we're bringing you Expand the Phantom podcast. Our website is chroniclechamber.com for all things Phantom. You can also contact us via email if you like, chroniclechamber at gmail.com. And of course you can subscribe to us via YouTube, iTunes, Spotify or any of your Android apps. We are here to deliver you your news on all things the Phantom and uh, we hope you enjoy this episode because tonight is episode 169 where we were, well, it's the October 2020 comics and news, but realistically we've got to go back and look at probably September and August news um, as well as comics from those two months. My name's Dan Fraser and I'm joined tonight by Jermaine Parker. How are you, Jermaine? Yeah, good, mate. Um, good. Uh, WA enjoyed, had a public holiday today, so um, yeah, it was, it was nice not having to go to work on a Monday. Very good. And I'm in the middle of school holidays. And as I said to you just off air, have just finished a couple of big jobs around the house. So I'm finally feeling like, okay, I can be at home um, and not worry about these big jobs that I've sort of been putting off since April Um, and uh, can relax and enjoy uh, the second week of the holidays, which I'm hopeful will be a big fan and week. And it's great to kick it off on a Monday as we record um, with comics and news. And you will probably say by Thursday, Friday, get into the holiday swing and then it'll be time to get ready for work again. <laughs> That's exactly right. We've got a, we do have a public holiday on Monday coming. That might be Queen's birthday. Oh, I think it's Queen's birthday, which is that the same one you just had? Uh, I don't really know. No. Let me just get a day <laughs> off. That's all, that's all we yeah. care about. That's it. Yeah. Anyway, I've, I've got about a week to go. And as you say, by the time I get used to it, it'll be all over. Um, anyway, we're recording this on the back of episode 168, which I hope people have listened to. If you haven't, do yourself a favour and make sure you bookmark that and check it out, um, which was the interview, well, what became a, a wide-ranging interview with Grange Wallace. Um, we had intended as, and I'm not sure how much this has come through on the podcast and the way that Jermaine's been able to edit it, but we had certainly intended um, our recording the other night to be this Comics and News featuring Grange as a special guest. But uh, the conversations we had were so, as I said, wide-ranging. And then just so interesting that uh, it just kept going. (laughs) (laughs) Fair to say, Grange enjoyed talking Phantom and probably, uh, you know, catching up with some mates, not being stuck in isolation. So, uh, absolutely. And, and, you know, we enjoyed it as well. And uh, so it turned into its own standalone podcast. And I certainly hope that the listeners and, and anyone tuning in on YouTube enjoyed it as well. Yeah. Well, there was just, there was so much good discussion not to include in the podcast. You know, he, he talked about a couple of different podcast ideas, which we'll probably explore down the track. Uh, talked about some rather controversial things like, um, uh, you know, re-imaging the Phantom, which is always an interesting topic. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to what people's views are going to be from that when they've finished listening to that one. 
Yeah, it's, it's good. And that's why, you know, that's why we love podcasts. I think whether we're listening to these ones or, or recording, our, recording our own, listening to others is what I should have said. But uh, it's the opportunity to just have a, you know, uh, an unapologetic deep dive into a topic that you're fascinated by. And uh, hopefully there's a few hundred people or a thousand people or whatever it is around the world that uh, are fascinated by it too. And so enjoy the chats. Definitely. Anyway. We do have a job to do tonight, and that is to get through the comics and news because we don't want to be saving this for another month and having to, uh, you know, more comics and more news. It's going to be a bumper issue as it is. So we're going to try and churn through it um, a little bit or march through it at a, at a, at a good rate for people um, to hopefully not to get too bored by and, um, you know, keep it nice and tight so you can tune into your grand final footy podcast or whatever it is that you're listening to as well. Um, so we are talking about the same comics that we that we talked about with Grange. And we'll start there because if you've just listened to Grange Wallace's podcast, then we'll, you'll be really familiar with um, the stories that we were talking about, which the, was the Ibis Mystery, parts one, two, three, and four, which came out in through issues uh, 1873, 1874, 1875, and 1876. Um, the four parts, we're going to talk about them as a single story, but I'm sure refer to various issues and very parts of the stories as one. But in terms of our review... Um, we're going to be, uh, I guess, talking about the, the block of stories as a whole. Um, so I think we can quite safely say, Jerm, that there are going to be spoilers because that's okay. The, the, the comic first came out in 1993. So if it wasn't already in your collections and already haven't read it, um, you've certainly had plenty of time to, to catch these um, at the newsagents or your subscribers or at Coles, which we'll get to uh, later yeah. in the podcast as well. But anyway, um, so let's let's start with your initial reactions, Jim. We've talked, we've waxed lyrical about the covers in the last issue, so we're not going to talk too much about them. But um, just to tick it off, um, confirming just when you and me know Grange around to listen to this, we do genuinely love these covers. Yeah, no, generally we do. He will be listening to this as well. But um, no, really did enjoy the covers. Um, it's a different take from the original, like um, you know, Antonio Lemus ones. Um, so I enjoy that. Granger's got his own unique style, which I do like. Um, it brings a different element, a different style to the Phantom, which I think is good because, um, you know, it, it's good to have different styles that appeal to different people as well. And um, I like it. I like, um, you know, I like the fact that their wraparounds that they all come together as one. They, they tell a story. They're not just pieces that are just hacked together. Like, um, like a Jim Shepard style cover. Um, you know, there's purpose to it. There's, um, you know, uh, so I do, I do like that. If I was, if I had to be critical, I would like to see Grange one day do a brighter style cover, a cover. Um, but that's being really negative and really having to say something negative. For <laughs> going right to of, the bottom of the barrel there, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, trying, to, trying to do something to, you know, <laughs> have a, a, a fair both ends of the well, no, spectrum. Well, I won't accuse you of being the, uh, the president of the Grange Wallace uh, fan club. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love his work. Um, you know, I've got signatures from him. I've, you know, I've got the poster that Fruve done. Um, you know, I love his work. Um, but you know, it will be interesting one day to see him do a, a bright style cover, just something a little bit different. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I'm, 
I'm not even, I, I wouldn't have thought of that. I, I can hear what you're saying. Um, and I guess because the, um, uh, the Empress, the Sorceress um, issue, the one that you referred to last time we spoke about the, the Excalibur sword. Um, yeah, that was really bright and, and powerful. So I hear what you're saying. But anyway, we've talked enough about the covers. Let's, let's get into the stories themselves. Um, so the Ibis Mystery was written by Norman Worker and illustrated entirely by Kari Lappinen. Um, it, as I said, it was, it was first came out in 1993, and I think that wasn't too far off. It was in 1993 the, the original was released in uh, Scandinavia, in Funtelman, and pretty shortly afterwards in Fru in Australia, in those uh, 1,065 type numbers we were talking about before. Um, so it's a 27-year-old story. Um, how does it hold up for you as, as, as a whole package to begin with? Let's talk about the, your, your, um, your initial impressions walking away from it. Yeah. I will admit I didn't read it as every issue came out because I actually did read it recently, say probably about six months to a year ago. So it was still quite fresh in my mind. Um, but I have recently, in preparation for this podcast, reread it. Um, and, and, you know, it's still enjoyable. I've probably read the, the saga probably 20, 30 times, and that's not an exaggeration. Um, I, you know, I enjoy it. Um, one of the things that, that speaks or kind of grabs your attention as you read it, especially as you read the last part, is that the Phantom is almost unphantom-like in this, especially the 21st Phantom, because he doesn't really actually, he's not really the hero in this story. He doesn't save the day. He gets fooled by, um, you know, the in, in part four with... Um, uh, the bad guy who becomes the girl. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's, it's a different way of, of representing the Phantom. And I, I think I kind of like it as well, that the Phantom is not really the hero because it, it, it kind of shows his vulnerabilities and that it's okay to, you know, not be the hero all the time. So, um, yeah, so that's one thing that kind of stands out as I reread it today or reread it recently. It's um, interesting that you say that, though, because I feel like, and I've got absolutely no stats to back me up on this, but I feel like that's something that um, one of us, between you, me, and Stephen, um, often says in a Comics and Reviews podcast where one of the stories we've read across the month, the last month or two, um, we, we say things like unphantom like and wasn't the hero, but maybe sometimes that is phantom like. Um, the trend would seem to be. Yeah, well, I think this is actually, I don't think this is a bad, because sometimes when we talk about um, uh, unphantom-like, it's things like whether it's the Sandal Singh yep. story, for example, or or it could be a, even a, a more likely a, a Team Phantom End story, which is not quite Lee Fork Barry-ish. But while this... While the Phantom not being the hero is, in a sense, unphantom-like, I don't think it's a negative unphantom-like trope, if that kind of makes yeah. any sense yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I understand where you're going. I just, as you said the words there before, I thought, yeah, I've heard yeah. this before, and it was... Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, look, I've got from, I'm probably the opposite from you in the sense of um, frequency of reading the story. Um, I would have... I, w I absolutely bought these... Um, 
as a 17 year old, I would have been that year um, and bought them and read them the first time in 1993. I must've read them at least two or three times when I got them because um, certainly I had a good memory of um, what the story was or certainly a good impression that wasn't proven wrong on the rereading because I haven't read them again until um, this, this new publication. So I had the remembrance of it being a um, Egyptian supernatural story that crossed oh. different generations of the Phantom um, that I didn't really enjoy because of the supernatural elements and um, that <laughs> that remained the same when I read through it this time. Yeah, the supernatural elements was probably... And we know you don't... You know, anyone who's listened to these podcasts will know, you know... I'm on the record. You yeah. are on the record. I'm a little bit more forgiving, but it was kind of like right on the boundary for me. Like if they had mm. gone... A centimetre further, I would have said, oh, that was probably too much. So it was yeah. kind of like right on that boundary of tolerance level for me. Yeah. Um, it, it, like it was that. One thing I do like about this, and I've liked it about whether it's the triodes, the golden rune, uh, the devil's library, and some of these other multi-arc stories, is the fact that we get stories from past phantoms. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I like how like they don't do the stories, especially in this case here, where they don't do the stories in chronological order. So say, yeah. for instance, the first one was about the seventh, what was it, no, about the twelfth, the seventh, and, you know, they kind of jump backwards and yeah, forwards. And, and, I, and I like that because you, you get to learn more about the past Phantoms, but also the past Phantoms characters like John Carr, um, you know, and you know, we it's probably one of the first few times that we actually see the 20th Phantom as a child as well. Um, in mm -hmm. Scarface, which I think was part three. Um, so you know, it, it, it's it's kind of good learning about the past Phantoms as well, and so I, I do like that, yeah. And look, I as we've said, and you know, we sort of alluded to it in uh, the talk about with Grange, and I've certainly been thinking about a, a rogues gallery since, but it's the sort of approach that you could absolutely take with a nemesis like Vultures, like Hydra, Sing Pirates, we know that that's the one that's been attempted the most. Um, but there are, there are lots of um, bad guys, for want of a better term, that have appeared for various fandoms, various generations. You can absolutely write a four or five parter about um, that sort of, that sort of um, battle against a, a nemesis um, that didn't need to be supernatural and didn't need to be in existence over the 400 years as an individual character, if you like, but as a, as an organization. It's, it's an, it's a cop out having it. Oh, maybe that's a little bit harsh, but it could be seen as a cop out to have the ongoing bad guy, where in a sense he has to be supernatural. Yeah. Um, where um, the Golden Rune is a supernatural ongoing guy. The Ibis Mystery is a supernatural ongoing guy. The Devil's Library is a supernatural ongoing guy. Um, the Heart of Darkness is a supernatural ongoing guy. Um, there's the Phoenix story. I'm not sure if you remember that, which, which featured St. Germain. Yes. Uh, that was a supernatural... Um, ongoing guy. In fact, 
but in saying that, there is the options. There was a, what was it? I think it was issue 730 or 735, which featured a, a crime family. Um, and it was actually Diana who kind of found them and stuff like that. Now, that could be a good opportunity for having an ongoing bad guy that battles various, you know, um, phantom um, people. So I yeah. it started with, it, I can't remember the name, but it was, um, pretty sure it was through 730. So there is, there is options and there is ways of doing it without being just. I, for people who are on the podcast, not on the YouTube, I am shaking my head, marveling at the fact that you've reached back 1100 odd issues of a through to pick out a, a particular issue. And I've got no doubt that you will be within five of accurate for what it's actually mentioned. I've just googled it. It's seven thirty. Uh, <laughs> so I've got the right issue. Um, so in this one story it features the nineteenth, twentieth and the twenty first phantoms. Um, and the, the, uh, the ghost or right. return of the ghost. And the bad guy was called Rashamond. So they were um, they were these French thief burgling guys that were basically on some Bermuda type of Bermudas, you know, that type of area um, island. And um, yeah, is this so, the is this the through issue with the map on the front cover? Um, oh, I don't, I, I can't remember. The Phantom Wiki doesn't have a cover of it. You would have read it. It was like one of the first ever. Um, uh, Team Phantom End stories published by Free. I, I wouldn't mind betting that that is 7.30, that, yeah. the, the one that I'm thinking of with the map on the front cover, because that's also the issue that has the very first appearance of the Phantom Club on yeah. the back, which is Everything ironic right. given um, that they uh, they were not fans of Scandinavian yeah, stories, yeah, but yeah, their yeah. first appearance coincided with the first ever Scandinavian story. I've always liked that little bit of uh, trivia. Um it's interesting though, like all of those stories that you rattled off there before, um, and including Return of the Ghost, um, they're all Scandinavian stories, these ones with an ongoing supernatural bad guy. I wondered to what extent, um, you know, and I, I think I've probably mused about this in the podcast before, about to what extent um, the cultural heritage of the Swedes, where their they're, um, beliefs going back to the Vikings and beyond and whatever, there is a large element of supernatural in that, whereas Australian readers... Um, you know, traditional Indigenous Australians notwithstanding, we don't have that um, heritage of uh, that supernatural person or, or being that can that can live for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, that's a, that's a, a very age. good point. It's a very good point. So I think that's possibly why they, they tend to go down that path and yet we're both saying that, um, you know, hydras and sings and vultures would be more appealing to us as readers. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's fair enough. They do create stories for their market first. And of course. The free readers are secondary, as much as Australians like to believe that we're number one. Uh, not well, we all know that the, uh, they've got the globe map upside down and Australia is actually supposed to be on top. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although that would put Tasmania right at the very top. <laughs> That's probably not accurate. <laughs> Uh, um, Carrie Lappinen's art. What did you think of that? Um, um, so this is this is probably his heyday. I would have thought. Yes, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was his best, at his best. Um, currently, Carrie LePan, his work, he tends to use more blacks now than what he used to before, I find. But in saying that, some of the blacks that he does, like I've just picked up the um, Scarface issue, you know, just like, for instance, this page here. You know, there's a lot of black there that, um, you know, that, that is just really good. And he, he's brilliant at using light and white to contrast the black that he's put on there. Um, I wonder if he gets, just being a little bit cheeky, I wonder if he gets paid uh, per amount of ink that he uses. <laughs> he's, his overheads are certainly more than other artists. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but... Going through more ink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but... Again, when we talked about it with Grange is when we talked about the style, that suits his style, is these type of stories because they're, you know, with the heavy use of black, the heavy use of the shadow, which give you the dread feel, which give you the, you know, sense of something is going to go wrong. Um, yeah. And then the other benefit about it is that it works well in a free comic as well as a, um, uh, as a Scandinavian comic. And in a lot of the times, it works better in black and white in a free comic than it does actually in colour. Yeah. Well, story. I was about to offer my controversial opinion that this is one that um, is better in black and white than colour. And I know a lot of people um, around the world are strong advocates for colour comics at all times. But I I do believe that um, certainly Lapinen's art um, not only stands up, as you said, but probably excels as um, in the black and white format. Yeah, and I think a lot of the reasons why... That this conversation's going on on Facebook right at, at the moment. It, I think one of the reasons uh, um, about why Australians don't mind black and white is because we all grew up on it. We've got Commando comics that are in black and white, and you've got the Phantom comics, and they're kind of like the gate. Realistically, they're the two gateway drugs for comic readers in um, in, in Australia. Yeah, cert certainly um, our generation and older uh, yeah. for sure. So yeah. All right. Well, um, what else do you want to? Is there anything else you want to say about the Ibis mystery before? There's a couple of other things that I'd like to bring up about the the package of four comics, but um, yeah, about that's probably where I want to go to, go to as well. Is the I've got a couple of questions about that as well. So, um, so we'll start with with one that we did talk about with Grange, and we know then, um, and and Dudley says it himself in the very first part. Um, in the message from the editor is that they have commissioned a fifth part to the Iris mystery, a sequel, and you can pretty, you know, it's, um, it's, a, it's a concept that opens itself up to extra parts being, being added. Um, we know that it's been written by Andrew Constant. I, I genuinely don't know you, made Germ, but I genuinely don't know who the artist is, but we understand that the artist um, at this stage is the hold-up without, um, you know, trying to be too negative, but just saying that that's the reason why part five hasn't immediately followed part four. Um, Grange has mentioned that, and it's also certainly heavily intimated by Dudley in the um, message from the publisher again. Do you think that they should have then held on to it, um, the, yep. the publication of these four, until part five is available? What are your thoughts? I believe so. I would have preferred, I would have preferred to see a part five printed at the end of this. Um, so I would, yeah, I agree with that. The other thing is, is I'll talk about that and then I've got another question I want to ask. All right. Well, I pro I'm probably on the opposite side, to be honest. Maybe I'm a bit practic more, more practical about it, but, you know, thinking about the way that um, publishing schedules go together, 
um, from what we understand, there would be a year or more in advance that the, the story has been written by Andrew and has been in the process of being drawn. Um, at some point in your publication schedule, there's four books. That's two months' worth of, um, of publishing that at one point you've just got to go, you know what, it, it's time to go because we need that to not buy us time, but to sort of to, you know, this is where we planned it because the next thing's coming after that, the next thing's yeah. coming after that. So um, I agree that it's unfortunate that Part 5 isn't ready. I'm, I'm sure that everyone at Fru would have preferred that it was ready to be published as 1877, but uh, uh, not to be, unfortunately. So would have you prefer? so are you happy that it's been published in the regular or would have you preferred if we got a treatment like um, the triads which saw the originals and then it printed in um, with the, the fifth paper. part yeah oh well I suppose I suppose given especially given that the fifth part has been delayed by so much they would just want to be marching on. And so I wouldn't want them to have to hold off on a trade paperback while part five came through. I think the only other reason I can think of why the trade paperback wasn't an issue was triodes was originally coloured, where this one wasn't coloured. So if they were going down... Not even when Phantomen published it? No, because it was 93, and I think they went colouring 94, 95. Right. So I think it was, like, just before then. I may be wrong, but um, please correct me, listeners, if I am wrong, but I'm, like, 90% sure that it was originally black and white. I thought you were about to say, but I'm rarely wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That's just what I tell my wife. (laughs) (laughs) And the kids. Um, (laughs) So they they try and trick me, and they go, sit down. Seeing you're always right. What am I thinking now? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> is it scary often you get that right <laughs> yeah, I get it right sometimes um, <laughs> um, yeah, so no, I can I can certainly see that yeah. because a lot of expense and time required in colouring um, yeah. what's would this be 80 odd pages so and then you don't get the opportunity of Grange to do five covers as well mm-hmm. um, and yep. then like you said if it being five issues that you're not publishing these would be relatively inexpensive and easy comics to publish seeing the story's already been published. It's already in black and white. You've already got it. You don't need to translate it. All you need is a new message from the publisher, the forums at the back and a cover. You don't have to, you know, get all that type of stuff before. And depending on their license, they might not even have to pay for it either because they've already brought the, the rights for it. So, Obviously, yeah. depending on it. So I can understand why they go for it because four issues out of 28, that's, you know, like you said, it's two months. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, one six of the year sorted. Yeah, exactly right. So, um, I, so I can't fault them for having done it. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> I hope that the artist um, doesn't shirk at all of this publicity and and suddenly i don't know i hope we are not drawing negative attention to whoever yeah i have to say dudley was a dudley was a little bit um uh a little forthright about basically and the way i read it was like you know you're not getting part five because the artist is slow that's how i read it and i'm not sure if that's the way Dudley intended it. I, I don't want to go back and quote him. Um, but, but you are. <laughs> no, mostly because I don't know exactly where it is, but <laughs> I guess if I could find it immediately, I probably... It was part one. 
Um, yeah, so Ibis Mystery in order of the next five issues. Uh, I say this with caution, optimism, but I should add the caveat that the sequel is currently way behind schedule. Without pointing a finger at anyone in particular, it may not be ready when we have hoped and expected. Yeah. So maybe yeah. we're putting two and two together with other information. <laughs> yeah, and the, but I think there is another part somewhere where he says that it's not going to be published in another yeah. message from the publisher. But um, yeah, I'm just, yeah. But maybe we are putting two and two together. But it was a little... I thought it was a little bit forefront. Yeah. Um, So other parts of it coming together as it did, um, you know, let's... It did give the opportunity, given that it's a story that was written so long ago, um, that they had a different page requirement in Team Fundament at the time. And so each story ran to, what, 28 pages, Mm. I want to say? 30? 32, some of them. Uh, various things, but either way, it gave scope for, well, it, it, it had the requirement for two or four pages extra to be produced by Free in each comic, and as you've just said there before, um, for the most part, that was done with forums. So we actually got four issues in a row with forum letters, which is probably um, as many in a row as I can remember for a while. Um, did you enjoy, enjoy seeing that much feedback in, in the Frues? Um, what was your I overall did. impression? I did. Um, so before I mentioned that I didn't actually read the stories until recently, when I got it, I read the message from the publisher and the forum letters first, and then sure. I put it to a side and thought, I'll read it when our podcast, podcast. gets yep. a little bit closer. So I enjoyed it. Now the question, Dan, is that you, Dan? In part three, I believe it is, <laughs> that talks about Sandal Singh. No, look, it really isn't. I promise it's, you it's not. It sounds like but you, doesn't it? When I read it, I thought, geez, did I get on the source one night and <laughs> I offered an email or, or maybe have I got a stalker who's listening to um, the podcast who's then summarising my opinions and sending them off under my name? Because um, I, I agree. As I read through that, I was like, this guy knows what he's talking about and he's making some really solid points and then uh, said Dan at the bottom. So I, it wasn't me, I promise. Um, there is another Dan out there who shares my opinions. <laughs> Everything that was raised in there is stuff that we've talked about on the podcast. And so I'm ready and I'm going, oh, come on, Dan, you've had the pulpit with the podcast. Now you're writing a letter to do it as well. Um, <laughs> I, I promise that I did not I'm do that. It. I'm going, but these guys must listen to the podcast. And I'm going, man, <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, here we go. He's... No, and I did, I did get the message from you almost, it must have been immediately that you read it asking if it was me. <laughs> Any other letters to, or just the overall vibe of the feedback across four consecutive issues? What did you, what did you make of that? There was, there was another one that caught my attention, which was, um, Oh, well, I can't remember his name, but he basically told Dudley that he needs to stop being dismissive of people giving them negative feedback. And full credits to Dudley for actually publishing that. Because, yeah. um, you know, he, he, he didn't have to publish it. But, um, and, and I think that's one thing that I do like about Dudley is that he is open and he's, like, willing to say, yeah, we stuffed up on this or we made a mistake on this one or... Or, you know, and he's willing to cop some criticism from people that don't like the way he writes it. So I, yeah. I enjoy reading Dudley's messages because they can be quite fun. Um, yeah. But oh, it was, it's certainly, certainly very honest. It's very personable. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that was probably the two that stuck out to me. Anything that caught oh. your attention? Yeah, those two as well. Probably the overall sense I got from it was, um, and maybe this is just Dudley making sure that he puts in all of the balanced feedback, like what you've said, but it seemed to be too negative for mine. Yeah. It seemed to be, um, it felt like more than 50. And I, and I wish now, as I say this, that I'd gone through and actually sort of done stats on the letters to say there was 15 letters and nine of them were negative or whatever, but I didn't do that. But that's sort of the sense that I got that there was probably two thirds complaining, yeah. one third happy sort of thing. I think, I'll put that down to COVID um, and the fact that through are changing some things, you know, and we've talked or we've speculated before that we believe that majority of the free readers are of the older generation and I don't think all of them would like all of the changes. So, mm. um, you know, let's put it down to COVID. Yeah, uh, all right. Well, there there was, was, it was There are a lot of grumpy COVID sufferers. Yeah. Now, the last thing that I want to mention with regard to the Ibis mystery, and I know now it feels like we've been talking about it for two hours or more, um, by the time you include the Grange podcast, uh, this one little nugget that um, has snuck through in issue four. So you're you're looking at um, through number 1876. And I'm talking about the two-page filler, completely unheralded, completely unmentioned thus far in all this time, the little two-page filler called Heloise on an Adventure. Um, And there's no dialogue. It's, what, 12 frames or something like that. A bit more than that on the other side. Um, Just that little two-part filler story, a little uh, written by Kim W. Anderson and uh, with text. And I can only imagine that's the... the, onomatopoeia that they've used there, the, the, the splat, the boink and the zzz um, by Alan Jones. I think it was his name there. Sorry, I've just flicked past it. Alan Son. Um, what, did you, what did you make of that? Well, I don't actually have that issue yet. Oh, so you haven't seen it? No, but from what you're just saying, I believe it is. I'm doing some mad Googling at the moment. So while you do that, I'll just hold it up and speak about it. So you've got that as a comparison. It's probably one of the, um, uh, we've talked about this uh, in the podcast before. So it's it's part of the World of the Phantom series of short stories. So it's written by Alan Song, who is actually Mikel Sol. It's his pen name. Um, And there's about, Four or actually, I've got it here. Found it on Google. So there's about uh, the world of the Phantom. There is eighteen of these short stories, right? And some of them, and they don't. They're not. Um, uh, they don't feature the Phantom. They kind of feature the secondary characters. So you've got there's some with his. Kitten Heloise, Garan, and some others and stuff like that. Well, in this one, there are two frames featuring the Phantom. That's the first one you can see there. He's asleep on the Chronicle Chamber. And that's the second one, which is the last one, where he's also asleep at the books. So, yes, that is the entirety of the actual Phantom's involvement, and the rest is, is Heloise. So what do you... Now, in the podcast previously, we have talked about these being possible fillers. 
So again, through our listening to us for ideas, which is good to say. Um, <laughs> what do you what do, what do you think about? Because you've actually seen I've seen the color version in a Phantom End comic. Yeah. What are your thoughts on it? Oh, I like it. Yeah, I I like it quite a bit. Um, it's um, yeah, it, it it's just the fact that there was no dialogue in it even just helped it be just a little nice, completely different. Um, it's very opposite the the tone and all the rest of it of the Ibis mystery, which is just at the end of a four parter. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's interesting that, um, and I don't think it's even mentioned in the message from the publisher. So um, no, it's not just scanning through. So so it's just completely popped in, no mention of it and all the rest of it. But uh, but as that sort of little nugget of uh, phantom goodness that was there, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I like I like the ideas. I like it the fact, especially because it's a good opportunity to flesh out and develop some characters besides the Phantom as well. So there's um, oh, there's another one where the Phantom's at a no, where Heloise is at a club or something, and some yeah. friend and a this guy. Yeah, I remember. I remember you telling us about that one, and and uh, I really liked the way that she is quite assertive in that situation without mm. necessarily being, um, yeah. So so anyway, if that's the sort of thing that's going to start sneaking in as well, then uh, then I'm going to like it. And, and I guess given then that you haven't seen the um, the actual issue, German, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I did assume it must have arrived by now. But there is also inside the back page um, a vale for Rolf goes. Um, oh, nice! Doesn't say who the text there is by or who's written that, um, but there's a, a nice little write-up of Rolf and um, some of his uh, artwork there as well. Yeah, awesome. No, it's good to see that. All right. So I think that um, I think that uh, finally to puts paid to everything from those four issues of fruit. Um, would never have thought that they were going to take us a podcast and a half to talk about them, but there you go. Um, the next thing we want to talk about, though, is the uh, the other fruit publication that has come out over the last two months, and that's this one, Giant Size Phantom number 14, uh, the John Dixon special, and I guess that might answer some of the questions we're going to ask about it next. Um, you have received this one. This has arrived at yours, Germ. Uh, so the, the one Phantom story that makes it inside is a reprint from a Charlton story. Charlton, I should have looked. Can't see which Charlton number it is. You'll probably know off the top of your head. Um, uh, a Charlton story, The Fire Gods by Joe Gill and Pat Boyette. Um, the story only goes for seven pages. So in a hundred page uh, book to only have seven pages of The Phantom, no, hundred, I've undersold it, 108 page book to have only uh, one Phantom story. Um, I, yeah, I enjoyed that one. I haven't even read the rest of the book though, I must confess. Yeah, um... I've read bits and pieces, um, but yeah, it was, and, it, and it's sad, but we are a phantom podcast, you know, so it was a little bit un, un, uninspiring. Yeah. Yeah. So um, obviously glad I've got it for the collection, whether I ever go through and read the rest of it. Um, given the amount of time that I've got to do things, I probably won't to be absolutely blunt. But as you say, I'm sure that there's heaps of people that would enjoy it. And, and I hope it has, does find its market for people who are uh, looking for those older stories and that, um, you know, that, that boost of nostalgia from reading those old, old John Dixon stories, who was by all accounts, a fantastic uh, comic book writer. 
Mm. And also, just for your, just to give you an answer to your question, the Fire Gods was in Charlton number 50. There you go. Very good. Um, top of your head or Fan and Wiki? Fan and Wiki. All right. That's good. <laughs> the, the, the run sheet did actually include a link. So if you clicked on it, it would have actually told you. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't that. Anyway, all good. Um, now, we, um, that's, that's pretty much all of the Phantom stories that have been published in Australia over the last couple of months. But um, we are going to throw now to our foreign correspondents. Um, and everybody would, un- would know and be familiar with our Phantomman reviews that come from Mikkel Lick. And we're so grateful that he's continuing to do that for us from Sweden. But I did say plural foreign correspondence because for the first time in Chronicle Chamber history, for the first time on Expand the Phantom podcast, we've got a reviewer from India. And we're so pumped that uh, we've got an opportunity to hear from an Ankit Mitra um, is our reviewer. And he's going to talk about the uh, the comic books. Is it both numbers one and two, Jerm, um, published yeah. from Regal Publishers? Yeah. Now, they are on YouTube and on our website, but we had to include it in our comics and news review podcast. So yeah, absolutely. We've, and, and we've been saying all along and, and our genuine, when I say this and kit, I hope you're listening. Um, thank you so much for getting in touch and offering to review these for us in the same way that we appreciate the work that Mikkel does for us in Sweden. Um, and, and we've said this all along, we'd, we'd love reviewers from all over the world. If, if you're listening to us anywhere in the world and your country publishes a Phantom comic, we'd love to, uh, to get you on the podcast reviewing it for us. Um, probably, probably the only writer is we do really need it to be in English because that is the vast majority of our audience. Um, so anyway, without uh, any further ado, I'll uh, pass over to um, Ankit and then Mikkel. Thanks very much, guys. Hi, and welcome to another Chronicle Chamber book review. I'm Ankit, and I'll be reviewing today Regal Publishers from India's The Phantom, a pub in English and in full color. So, a little backstory for this, that uh, Regal Publishers have been publishing The Phantom in India for a long time now, In uh, but it has been in Malayali language. It's only been very recently that they've got the rights from King Features to print uh, the stories in, in in English and in color too. So yeah, let's get to it. First of all, a little bit of uh, size comparisons and these are in standard magazine size of any single issue floppy comics as they call it. And just for comparison's sake, here I have a Fru issue number 1602, one of my very favorite issues. And if you see it, it's just about slightly larger at the edges that's it so it's pretty much the same and it's not the inside art is larger or something it's just it's got like a big white border so yeah so that's about it and as for the paper stock quality the covers are of standard art paper and the inside pages are a little bit actually quite a bit thicker than the newsprint style paper that Fru has yeah so there and for those who want to see the spine, it's a standard two-staple spine. And I think this book is about 48 pages, issue 1, and issue 2 is 56. And both contain two stories. And so, uh, the front cover has art by Indian artist credited as Vincent Moses Raja. 
uh, if I'm not mistaken, his art was also featured in the Chronicle Chamber uh, Bushfire Fundraiser Phantom Art Book. And he's drawn both the covers. And both the covers and the back of the book has an ad for the other issue of the book. So book issue two has book one's art and issue two has and the details for the publishers here, contact details. So yeah, personally for me, uh, I'm not a big fan of these style of covers because to me, it's not the art as such, but it's the inking and the coloring which gets to me like this stock picture of buildings at the back. And you know, just it's a little vibrant, like the inking, the shadowing thing is just, it's just not my, a lot of people like it. I prefer something like if you have, if you want to go retro, I, I like the straight flat color retro style either. Or the much more modern, more gradient textured style of this. We'll be coming back this to this book later because it has a lot to do with these two so yeah first of all the contents of these both books the books have the stories of uh, of the sunday stories of uh, of the phantom which is post lee fox so it's basically ones written by if i'm not i don't know i, I don't want to butcher his name it's class remiarthi and uh, tony depot the ones who took up whose stories were mainly published after fox death and the artist on both of them is one of my favorites uh, 90s very famous batman and bane's co-creator batman artist and bane's co-creator uh, graham nolan and uh, the stories are the warmongers the briefcase terror in mavitan and the sinbad stone the Warmongers and Briefcase have been written by Claire Semirthi, if I'm not mistaken. Terror in Mawitan was written by Tony DePaul. And The Sinbad Stone is written by Graham Nolan. Yeah, and for those who wondered why I bought this book up, this is the Moonstone Graham Nolan Sundays Volume 1. And it has the exact same con content as these two books put together. So, yeah, The Warmongers Briefcase, Terror in Mawitan and Sinbad Stone. Now, there's another little thing I would like to point out is a lot of people know that the first volume by Moonstones, the Graham Nolan Sundays, had a lot of uh, issues with the page ordering. There were the first two stories, especially the Warmongers and the Sinbad, and the last one, the Sinbad Stone, had book had pages which were completely out of order and completely ruined the experience. You know, if you want to read it uh, comprehensively. So now, with these two books, you have a comprehensive way to read those uh, sunday stories so thank you for that regal now uh in another thing i would like to point out is for the sunday stories a lot of us know that the design is these these are known as i i, I guess the drop-off panels or something yeah because like you it, they, they are considered like you cannot uh put new parts of the story here so because of the formatting on a lot of newspapers so your story always had to be from the second tier that is here the first tier cannot have advancements to the story so you'll see a lot of things so it's basically at most used as a recap so this uh, uh, creates an issue when you're putting it into some like a normal comic grid of maybe a full uh, one six seven about eight by eight panel or something like that because then you're going to get a lot of same panels coming in so we're going to just check out 
how they went about it so here this is the start of the first story and this is the start here so if you notice here the panels have been rearranged i'll get to the print and the colors comparison much later so if you see it the panels have been rearranged so that you know it, it falls in a grid pattern system yeah now there are certain things i would like to point out when it comes to the editing which i think they did a pretty good job because it's not always easy to you know yeah like this here this is in the briefcase and i'd like to use this as an example if you look here the last panel of this uh, sunday which i did this was these two panels are used in the very next day and the next sunday sorry to illustrate you know the story and like recap a little bit before you know continuing with the length and you can even see that there's a panel from here that has been reused here this is how they do there's always going to be reuse of certain panels in the drop of tear now having that in a comic is going to really jar from the experience so what they have done at times is they have not used that redundancy and they have tried to ensure that there is a smooth flow if you see it here this panel has not been reused but they have reused this panel because it still kind of furthers the story now if you you cannot remove too many panels if you remove too many panels then you're going to have a strange situation where you lose like the last page of the story will end up having just like maybe one panel or something like that so it's 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 a very it's a and yeah another panel i'd like to pull out this one yeah you can see the last panel here has been reproduced as it is in story and there's a new panel here just to recap the thing this panel is missing here because they felt this is a better flow you can have this this panel and the story flows right into here and straight moves here so that's it so that's a very good job done in my opinion now for the actual contents now there's there's i have some issues with my some some of the pages and that's probably just me or like my issue or something like that there are certain smudges in the colors little bit if you notice you can see the letters are a little smudged little double and it's not as consistent and if you compare it to the moonstone obviously it's it's way expensive these books uh, i should have mentioned before these books are about 120 rupees each which is round about 2.21 australian dollars and 1.6 or 1.5 something like that us dollars which is very cheap like which is extremely cheap for a full color phantom of two stories and they don't even have any ads there's no advertisement so you can see that you know so yeah so anyway going into the contents of the full story like the first page inside has a little tribute to story to Lee Fox and a little bit of prose to kind of you know introduce new readers to the phantom and or how it came about 
and the last page has a very famous picture of Lee Falk in tribute with Mandrake and Phantom at the back. This is in issue one. Issue two, similarly, has another of these kind of title pages, which kind of again introduces the Phantom to new readers. And that's it. Normal from here. So, one thing I would like to say. I'm really happy with these because for someone in India, we are big fans on the Phantom, but we haven't had the Phantom in English published to us for years now. The last time there was Euro Kids label, which was by Egmont, which did some of these, but that's been like about more than a decade, maybe. I'm I'm not sure sure about it, but I think it's been quite a long time. I've never I've not seen uh, Phantom in English published quite some time and also i'm a big big fan of graham nolan and i really love stories which are post fokira because i think uh, most of our indian you know we are used to reading the same cyberry and fork issues reprinted again and again and again and indrajal had very few phantom in issues and some from i think gold key and some maybe from charlton but mainly it was still again those Cyberry and Falk and so I'm really glad that Regal chose to use the post Falk years and I hope they continue to do so and I really wish them the best of luck because right now uh, it's a really difficult time for them as a publisher to you know keep this because and it's difficult for us as uh, readers also because of the lockdown and the severe covid situation and they've printed it now we we have to buy them direct usually these are always available for us normally through newsstands and all but those stands are closed the bookstalls are closed they're not operating the way they are and and these are not on things like amazon or something so it's not that simple to right now get them so they are uh shipping it to you directly once you contact them and you pay them online and it's been a little rough because personally for me like i i I got them quite late because they have been flooding in kerala and places where they come from and it's been it's been rough for them and i really hope you know things uh, look up and sales and everything really increase from now on now that these two issues are out the next couple of issues i think will come out in october maybe or something and for fans uh, outside india looking to buy a, a, a piece of this um the best bet you have probably are having friends who can buy it from you and ship it to you but again international shipping is kind of suspended right now it's really difficult and or you can contact them but i'm not so sure if because I think uh, the phantom license uh, is limited in terms of the areas so I'm not sure if they're allowed to sell outside India or something but you can definitely contact them and see for yourself and see what can be done the I'm going to put the books back so you can see their details here they have a whatsapp number a facebook page and an instagram and an email and you can get them from the video here so if you want to contact them so yeah that was it thank you so much and i'll hopefully see you again and get with the next few issues of regal till then happy phantoming
Let's get into it. We have three issues today. Number 17, double issue 1819, and issue 20. First off, issue 17 of 2020. Cover artist Henrik Salström. Bright, nice colors. Uh, not very exciting composition, maybe, but uh, like it. And we continue in the 90s in this issue. First off, it's a Team Phantom story. The Eviga Dimonas Ö, Islands of the Eternal Mists by Norman Walker and Jane Balvin. This hasn't been published in English. Uh, it is about these strangers showing up on Eden and basically kidnaps Rex and TomTom Tom to this mysterious Greece mythology inspired island. As I said many times, supernatural elements are not my favorites, but this story has some uh, good things, especially in the tone and the feeling of the story. Then we have uh, uh, Floradona Mysteriet, the Floradona Mystery, by Lee Falk, George Olsen, and Fred Fredriksson. It's a Sunday, not earlier published in Sweden, and guess what? The choice was to print it in black and white. Uh, I have talked about this a few times. Uh, this has been published twice in Australia in 1226 and 1746. It's about this hidden military kingdom that is hiring young people to work, but few ever leave. And it's also about dr uh, this drug-infused honey. And so a short spoiler for like 20 seconds, uh, the last panel sparked a small discussion around uh, some of the Swedish fans and when I got around to reading the story I also find very strange the phrasing, uh, the phantom uh, talks about this drug that is fantastic, um, not sure what that is about. Then there is issue 1819, also covered by Henrik Salström. I think this composition is very good. It, it gives promise of a spectacular character here on the horse. Uh, the main story is called Banditernas väg, the road of the bandits, I guess would be the correct uh, translation. It's written by Klaus Romerti and art by Janus Orden. Uh, it's a story about the 12th Phantom with some twists and turns. I really, really enjoyed this one. It had a great plot and some smart things happening. My usual objection to historical team Phantom stories is that the Phantom feels pasted on top of a historic event. This one stood out on its own legs and I really enjoyed it. Uh, and the art of Janus Orden, as I always, always said earlier, it's great. And then we have this backup story, The Isle of Death by Lee Falk and Cyberry. And uh, so from last issue, now we're back to the Falk and Barry. And uh, again, black and white version of a Sunday story. The 90s was not the best era of the newspaper strip in my opinion. And this is another story where the bugs and wildlife are huge size, uh, it feels like it happens quite a lot, I would say, yeah. Last up is the issue number 20 of 2020. 
cover artist Rolf Go. Uh, it's a reuse from the 2001 cover here. Uh, for those watching on YouTube, uh, we have them uh, side by side, and I really think both the color of the logo is works better and that they skip this text in this uh, it looks better uh, I'm not sure but I guess this that they reused the cover was to honor him uh, because he passed away uh, because otherwise it feels strange to have the same cover again uh, but I'm not sure if if that was the plan all along, if or if it was a last minute changing. Uh, but yeah, as I said, it looks better this time. Uh, and there's also uh, this uh, really nice text on the editorial page by written by Ulf Granberg about Rolf Go uh, and a memorial on the last page of the issue. So the main story in this issue is uh, Shipwrecked by Norman Walker and Carlos Cruz. It was published in Australia in uh, 1307. Uh, it's a quite convoluted story about how the seventh phantom got an Aztec mask and uh, basically leaves it on top of the Walker table, Walker's table and only to have the eighth phantom go there and pick it up i don't really understand why it needed this extra step of the seventh phantom receiving it and leaving it uh, even though it feels like it's all about travel because there's a lot of travel in this story with boats and uh, shipwrecks and uh, yeah all of that i i really enjoyed it it has some lots of adventures and uh, it's epic feel with with all these travels and uh, might go a bit overboard with the Robinson Crusoe references and then there's a text by Andreas Eriksson about uh, Phantom Phantomen in the OO uh, is and uh, it's a great write-up and it ends up with the Secret City by Tony DePaul, George Olsen and Keith Williams and since I've read this in color and I felt that was better and this is black and white I just skipped reading it this time yeah next issue will be Stupa Distrid, Death of a Phantom by David Bishop and Cesar Spadi a story I've read multiple times since I love the Kate Somerset stories yeah so having that to look forward to. That's all for me. Happy phantoming! Mikael here again with a short update about the Phantom the Guardian. Uh, the status right now is that uh, we just approved and the manufacturer also approved the print files so they will create one production copy and send it to us for uh, to feel all the components and do a final approval before the big print run and uh, we're going around schedule, so we're still aiming for that December delivery date. Thank you for me, and happy phantoming. All right, thanks very much, Jensen. As I said, a huge appreciation for the work that you're doing and sharing that information with us about the comics that are being published in your country. Now, um, on the back of those uh, those news, we've, we've actually got live to the podcast news right now in the last uh, 10 or 15 minutes while we've been recording. 
um, a, a bit of information coming to us from Mikel um, about what's coming soon in Fantaman. Do you want to just um, perhaps give us uh, an insight into the message, Edjo? Okay, so um, this is you know hot breaking news. Uh, basically, in the latest fruit, uh, in the latest facts event issue, um, Mikel Sol, and one of the things I love about Mikel Sol is that he does is very open in what he. Um, in what he's planning and all that. In issue 24 2020, there'll be an updated Bangela map as a poster, which is quite, which is very exciting. So now for those who don't know, there has been a couple of maps. There's been the Cyberry one, and then there's been one in the board game. Uh, there's been one on the Phantom Men um, mobile app, and then there's been one as a poster, which this is how breaking news it is. I don't have a poster handy. But um, you've got one was, in the room for sure. Yeah, I've got about three different versions of it. So yeah, uh, I don't have one, but I'm, <laughs> I'm sure you've got one. <laughs> if I had about five minutes, I could probably find it. But um, <laughs> yeah, so it's it's kind of like a, a. I'll do it so if you're on the YouTube, you can see it. So it's kind of like a peninsula type of uh, version of what Bengala looks like. So an updated version. Um, I don't know. The original was created by Auslan Erip who's the Turkish creator. In about um, 1982 or 83, I think we're talking. Yeah, yeah, about then, maybe even a little bit earlier. Um, so, but yeah, I think think early 80s. So, and don't forget, this is the 70th anniversary for um, uh, Phantom Men yeah. magazine as well. So, it's nice to see a, another, something else special coming out. Mm. Um I would like to see Fruit do something similar as well, but in English, of course. Um, well, it's a, that's going to, I'm going to use that as a nice segue. If you are interested in the Semic map that was produced in the early 80s uh, by Ozcap Erlap, but uh, have never learned how to speak Swedish, maybe you're interested in the English translation of that map, which you could find, Jermaine, in the Phantom Preservation Project. Yes, a very good segue, mate. You would have thought that we didn't <laughs> plan that one. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, if you if you're interested in that, also in the other stuff uh, on the Phantom Preservation Project, uh, go to our website chroniclechamber.com. Uh, a, a good example of what the stuff you'll find on there is, as we were recording, um, the Phantom was featured uh, featured the Defenders of the Earth yep. newspaper stories. Uh, so that's on our Facebook, but we didn't publish the Mandrake or the Flash Gordon version as well which is also on the phantom preservation project yeah. so you'll find lots of cool things like that on the phantom preservation project um, yeah so and a, and a huge thanks to all of our patrons who make everything we do possible and uh, i guess our thanks to them in a, in a real sense is access to that um p3 the phantom preservation project with with uh the english translation of the map the defenders of the earth uh little interesting panels there um and, and as jermaine says there amongst a thousand other things so patreon.com backslash chronicle chamber is also available as a link at the top of our web page i think we always put it in the show notes don't we jim um uh yeah i think we do actually yeah, so uh, so you don't even have to go looking. It's it's right there um, in your in your hand in your podcast app. So uh, if you want to support the podcast, we'd we'd certainly appreciate that. All right, now uh, we've got other updates um, about the the Phantom board game. Now this is the one that was launched by Fru Games um, a couple of years ago via Kickstarter. 
Um, it's uh, progressing steadily, as we understand, and we've got we've been speaking to Dale McCanty and Alex Winter recently for some updates on the game, and we're getting to a pretty crucial date as we're coming up um, on the tenth of October. That'll be the, your last opportunity to, well, the 10th of October is, is basically too late. That's the deadline to order extra games at the current pricing if you have purchased games through Kickstarter already. So just get in contact with, uh, with Fru Games at their email. And I should have um, got this, but I think it's P-U-B-L, games at gmail.com. Would that, does that sound right to you, Jermaine? Yeah, no, got no idea. Okay, I think that's right. Um, if not, just go through your Kickstarter account um, and uh, get the information there. But 10th of October is your last opportunity to buy the games at the current rate as they've always been advertised. Now, speaking to Dale about a week and a half ago, um, they, they, well, they cut their, their price very fine. And then since then, um, costs have changed. They've made decisions around the size of miniatures, which means the cost of those have changed because they're bigger than what they intended just because they saw the minis and they couldn't bear to see them shrunk anymore. They just love the size they're at. So they're doing the right thing by the fans and, and producing the bigger mini for us, the bigger playing figure. Um, but it's costing them money to do that. And obviously there's this little coronavirus pandemic thing that's been happening that's also caused some problems in terms of costs and publication uh, production uh, in that sort of stuff. So um, they are taking an absolute bath on the, on the cost of the games. Um, and so after the 10th of October, they're going to be upping the price to something that is more realistic in terms of covering the actual cost of the game. Uh, so if you have already ordered on Kickstarter and you're thinking, well, maybe a second game or a third game or whatever would be handy you need to jump in and order that ASAP. Um, but they are well and truly into, into production, which is something that uh, Dale's been very excited to share with us. Um, what are you, Jermaine, have you heard much? What's your, what's your thoughts on the, the production schedule and the rest of it now? Um, well, it's a hard thing because like, you, you listen to the fans getting agitated, but then you, you know, we're privileged enough to be able to have a bit of an inside knowledge and being able to talk to the actual people that are at the forefront. So I think, I think everyone's a little bit frustrated. Um, it'll be, you know, it's great to hear that the production has started, um, you know, that they've started discussions with the distribution companies for like overseas and stuff like that as well. Um, I think it's wise they haven't given us a date because we just don't know what's going going to happen with coronavirus with life 2020 sucks we all know that we had the bushfires first we had floods now we've got the virus you know life sucks um so i think it's good that they haven't given us a date because then that way we're not getting disappointed again um i'm, I'm confident that dale and alex are going to pull this off at the best time they can uh you know they're not doing it for the money uh, <laughs> they're doing it for the love um, of the board games and Dale, who's a, who is a fan and stuff like that as well. I'm also excited about seeing the um, uh, the, uh, the trade paperback as well. Um, so that that will be that'll be excited as well. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I really wish the guys all the best. Uh, hopefully, we don't have any more delays. Um, and then, yeah, it's you know, hopefully everyone can make a bit of money out of it, especially the developers. And um, 
I can't wait to do a review podcast with the guys about the board game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, me too. And I echo everything you've said there. I'm 100% confident that the game will be delivered. I'm probably one of those people who uh, it's, it's caught me out many times in my life, but it means I'm less stressed. Um, if I've pre-ordered something, I'm just going to sit back and assume it will arrive at some point. And I know I, I, I don't want to give the wrong impression. I'm really confident that these will. Uh, but to me, in a sense, the money's been spent. I don't have it. So who cares? And uh, someday soon, I'm going to get what is apparently a free board game in the mail. So looking forward to that. <laughs> and uh, I found it. I told you I only needed five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> um, this is what happens when you're a tape eye. A type A personality, you've got a, a, a thing is you, you, you tend to know where most of your stuff in your fan collection is. So this is the poster that we were talking about. So this is, I might even have the date on it, 84, 2684. So, mate, we're both on fire with our dates. Hang on, when you said you were rarely wrong, you said it might have been earlier than 82, 83. So I, I probably got the right side that time. Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> So here's, I'll just put it closer to the thing so you can kind of see it. Um, so you can see the skull cave in the middle uh, and then you've got the Misty Mountains at the top. So, yeah, I just... It is a really cool map and I'm, I'm quite jealous that you've got um, a poster-sized version of it because that's, um, that's really cool. And uh, if the um, poster version that's coming out in the, the Phantom and coming up... Um, if it looks similar to that, if it's that sort of size, I'll be tempted to buy my first ever Phantomman comic. Ooh, we might have to buy a couple of extra and use one as a Patreon prize or something like that. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> All right. With, uh, with that said then, um, let's move on to the next big news. And this, this may actually be some of the bigger news in, in through history. It, it depends to see how it goes, but it might be yeah. something that we look back on and say, is one of the bigger decisions and, and moves that the new Fru crew have made. Um, and that's a bit of a change in the distribution. Now, I don't think, or, or an add-on in the distribution, I don't think they've made changes through Gordon and Gotch and uh, the news agents, which we're f- completely familiar with in Australia. But um, Fru comics are now starting to appear in one of Australia's two largest supermarket chains um, in the magazine in with the magazines, um, and that is in our Coles supermarkets. Now, this is massive news, I think. Jermaine. Yeah, Probably it is. Like the podcast, really. It is. It's it's potentially the best. It has the potential to be the best news for Fru, probably since the Fru crew came along, and maybe it could even surpass them as the best news for the Phantom, because if you look at the pure numbers. 80% of all Australians shop at either Coles and Woolworths. Coles have, this is according to their website, so it may be inflated a little bit, 2,500 stores in Australia and 21 million visitors to the shops weekly. Now, they did say that they're only distributed in 500 stores and it's a bit of a test case scenario. But if you look at the pure numbers, more people go to a supermarket than they go to a news agent. Um, so the potential's endless. And even if it only sees a 5% increase or, 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 or whatever, it's, it's, you know, a huge kudos for, um, through doing this. And I believe that, um, this has been going around and been in talks for a little while and stuff like that, which we've seen on Facebook, but, um, yeah, it, it is 
big news, um, and I'm very excited about it. Uh, me too. And now, um, confession, my answer is going to be no. Have you actually seen this in a Coles uh, live yourself, Jim? Okay. I will admit, I don't actually shop at Coles. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to. Uh, but no, I, I shop at LD at the car currently, um, yeah. purely because it's cheaper and I like getting all the, uh, all the food from around the countries, which they have on their weekly specials. Um, yeah. but no, but there's been a lot of people that have posting photos up photos, of, yeah. of, of their sales or of their purchases on Coles and stuff like that. Um, and the fact that it's going to be, whether it's in the kids section of the magazines or in the adult section of the magazines right next to their Ralph and and all the other type of magazines. That oh, they don't Coles. exist anymore, those ones. Oh, well, it's, obviously I haven't uh, gone shopping in Coles <laughs> or for those magazines for a while. Um, but, yeah, so it, 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 it's great news. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, as I said, my, my answer is no, I haven't seen it in the Coles, and that's mostly because in the divvying up of jobs in the household, my wife goes shopping a lot more often than I do. Um, I'm more likely to, to do the duck in for the milk and bread on the way home rather than uh, do, the, do the proper weekly shop or anything like that. Um, but I do drive past three Coles supermarkets between my work and my home. So um, they are everywhere, these supermarkets. They're a massive chain. The, the numbers that Jermaine said about sales and, and shops and that sort of thing um, speaks to the, the possibilities of this. Now, it does raise an interesting question, and you sort of touched on it there a little bit when you're talking about where it's placed but um it could mean it could mean a bit of a change to where the market that fruit is targeting because you, you we've also talked about the fact that uh the typical fruit comic buyer certainly or phantom fan by extension is is sort of our age or older or 30 35 and older as we as we're talking to some of the younger creators we talked uh, very little i like how you classify yourself as our age, and then you're classifying yourself as 30, 35. No, I said or younger. <laughs> no. well, if I've said that, that's coming out the wrong way. I apologise. I meant that, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, by putting it in Coles instead of newsagents, newsagents is about older people. It's an it's a, it's a establishment that's going out of, out of favour. Um, supermarkets will always remain in favour. They're an essential, uh, they're essential workers, as we've discovered. It's certainly an essential um, place to be open. Um, is this going to mean that Fru is under the eyeballs of younger people or parents looking for something to 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 give their younger their child as they're going through the supermarket? He read the comic and will buy it at the end or whatever. And if so, and I think that is the case. Um, and if so, does that mean Fru are going to have to be a little bit more careful about the stories that they publish and the censorship? Um, and I'm not. And, the way that they, what they depict. What are your thoughts there? So many, there's so many unknowns there. I guess it's probably hard to hard to know. But as I say, I just it's a shame they didn't have this um, this distribution arrangement in place when when Kid Phantom was starting out because I really do think that this is exactly, especially the issues that had the pin in them as well. Um, and we did say at the time, I'm sure that any little gimmick, little toy, and and I think we might have even said at the time that it would be great to be. In these, in these sorts of places for, for kids to be able to see. But anyway, um, it is what it is, but um, maybe there's a way for whatever extras are available to, to make their way into the coals and whatever. Anyway, 
Um, so fandom new in Coles. Fandom's also new in the United Arab Emirates. Now, this is a story that you broke a few weeks ago, Germ, um, about a, a new comic that's appeared in a new country. Yeah, so it's not a, a, a new comic, so to speak, in the sense that it, uh, these comics, well, these magazines, comics were released back in the 90s. Uh, I think it was about 89 to about 91 is the dates that we've found. But um, yeah, it was a publisher called Young Times was the magazine. Um, and they had a comic book supplement called Fun Times, which was about 16 pages. And it had comics, posters, sports stars, puzzles, activities, and included in there was the Phantom. So it's... um. It's pretty cool for a lot of Phantom fans out there to find a new country to collect, um, including myself. Um, I've brought about 10 to 15 of the magazines already. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting. Now, it shouldn't be a surprise when you look at the fact that 40% of the population from the UAE are from India or Indian heritage. So um, it, it, it kind of makes sense. But, um, yeah, I... It's just a bit of fandom history that no one knew about until we broke it, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. very exciting. Very cool. Um, so something for uh, collectors to be chasing, certainly the completists who are chasing uh, comics from all over the world. Uh, something else for completists is the new Fantaman folder. Now, they've done this a number of times, Fantaman. They've released folders um, as, as holders for your comic books. Um, there's a new one out. What can you tell us about that? Okay, it features the design from Henrik Salzman for Phantom Man uh, issue 25-26 back in 29. Um, interestingly, this cover came third in the votes from the fans of the 29 best cover. But in talking to Henrik, uh, this was actually his most favoured of the covers he drew for 2019. So yeah. he's quite excited of the fact is that his favourite is now the design of this. Now, I've got about 10, 15 different of these designs and different guises and, and stuff like that. This is great. Um, it's something new to collect. It's something, you know, exciting. Um, we, we are getting a couple, which we will be using as Patreon prizes, um, either summer or autumn going in next year. Um, so they're, they're pretty cool. Um, if you go onto our website, you can find out how to buy them. Um, you know, they're not that expensive. They're about, Oh, they're about $10, $15 once you include postage and stuff like that. So, And if you get 20 or 25 of them, obviously the postage cost goes down. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like to think you might be able to get two or three to help bring the postage down. But no, Jermaine goes, oh, 20 or 25. He's going, <laughs> no wonder the postage comes down uh, in that box. <laughs> All right. Now, the next thing we want to talk about is a little bit more sober, and um, we've already alluded to it, actually, when I was talking about the, the tribute that was in the uh, part four of the, the Ibis Mystery Pass by Fru, um, and that is, of course, legendary um, cover artist in particular for Phantom, and he did do stories as well, but most well-renowned as a cover artist, and that's Rolf Goes, of course. Um, well over 900 comic covers for Fantaman. It's highly unlikely that we'll ever see that uh, exceeded. He's the, in many ways, the Don Bradman of uh, Phantom comic covers. 
and uh, to hear of his passing um, during August of this year um, was not unexpected because of his age and what we knew about his um, where he was with his his history, but um, sad nonetheless. And um, it's been overwhelming, I think, um, the response by fans on social media who have all been, um, you know, enthusiastically. Or, or, and sadly, at the same time, reminiscing about their favourite Rolf Goes covers, their favourite images, the the work that he did that brought them to the Phantom. Um, something that um, I hope he knew before he passed, Jim. Yeah, I believe he did. Um, we've been in communication with uh, Ulf Granberg, which uh, he's friend, close friends with. Um, we've got we've got I think we've got three posts up on our website. One about the news. One which was fans' reactions about the covers, and then we've also got one actually about the funeral itself, including um, some photos of the flower arrangements, which were given um, in memory in memory of of him. So, um, yeah, a huge, huge. Um, I, we were lucky that we were able to communicate with him via Elf. Um, and then we've got the we've got the book which we've done a review of as well. I believe I've got the book here somewhere. Oh, I can't find it now. But we've got a book which is all about uh, Rolf. Um, uh, so yeah, it's it's sad, um, and it's good to see through. And then Phantom Men, uh, which we've heard about from um, Mikel's review, giving a a, a good dedication uh, to. The, the, the Don Bradman of, of uh, Phantom Covers. It's a, a very good comparison. Yeah, so um, wherever you are and, and whatever you're doing, I'd, I'd, uh, let's raise our glasses to Rolf. Cheers, Valet, and uh, thank you for everything that you did um, from mm. for, for the Phantom world and for all of the delight that you brought us with the images that you showed. Um, all right, so staying in Scandinavia now, um, we're talking about Fantaman uh, and, and their plans for the Christmas album. Now, that's available for pre-order, you've listed here, Jermaine. That is, is that unusual? I don't recall it being listed for pre-order before. Um, the Christmas album, generally, yes. Um, apparently, the soft cover is also available for pre-order as well, which is a little bit different because normally they have the Gothenburg Book Fair, which is kind of like Sweden's. It's it's like they it's like they have two big Comic Cons style events. Uh, obviously, that's been cancelled, um, and the um, the the Phantom End soft cover is usually uh, released at the Gothenburg Book Fair. So obviously, with no book fair this year. Um, they're both available for pre-order. Generally, the Christmas album comes out late November, early December. Mikel's reviewed the last couple. Um, you know, they um, they normally have... Uh, the Christmas album album covers are usually done by Henrik Selström and then the soft cover albums are usually done by... Um, talk about a mind bloke. Um, oh, gosh. I can't remember his name. Is this more of a um, uh, a noir style? Yeah, Luca Roberta. That's it. So Luca Roberta has done that. Sorry, Luca. Um, had a real mind blank there. So he's yeah. So and they're, and they're both brilliant covers as well. So um, again, you can you can order them 
if you're in Australia or outside of Sweden. Um, again, the, the best way to do it is get in with a couple of other guys and, uh, yeah, maybe not 25, but uh, order a couple together and you, you can save on postage. What is, um, speaking of which, um, what is postage like between Sweden and Australia at the moment? Not, and I'm not talking prices so much as um, delay because obviously with everything that's going on in the world, we're seeing much slower postage and shipping yeah. all over the place. What's, what's that like at the moment? What's your experiences? It's all slow. Everything's slow. It takes four to six weeks to get stuff from America and it takes six to eight weeks to get it from um, you know, Norway and Sweden. I've uh, for example, we've, we have just sent uh, Mikkel a bunch of Australian food as a bit of a thank you, uh, including some Vegemite. Uh, so make sure you hit up uh, Mikkel and ask him what he thinks of, uh, of Vegemite. Um, and, um, yeah, he, that took eight weeks to get there. Okay. So things are still getting through, but just not in any sort of a timely fashion. What are your, um, since we're on it, your, you post things, you've just mentioned America and um, Scandinavia. What about India, um, South America? Are you, have you got any experience with those countries in the last three or four months? Uh, India, no. India is still closed. A lot of Europe is still closed. Um, base, uh, and then Brazil. Uh, basically, we've seen some of the statues that uh, Fabio has been released the only way he got them out of brazil to australia but was by fedex and stuff like that and um say for instance you're looking at 10 kilos you're looking at about 150 dollars yeah yeah um so not a not a great time to a really good time to focus on your local national collection um and what's what's within your own country because yeah crossing borders um You've, you've got to be, I guess, like what I was saying before, you've got to be one of those people who's prepared to put your money out there and then two, three months later, you get the payoff when the, when the items come back. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just the way of things at the moment. And if that's the worst of your troubles, then you are doing fantastically well. Yeah, so. exactly. All right. Um, now, fantastically well, I'm going to use that as a segue. Um, something that is fantastic, we think that uh, we should bode well for the future is uh, what Mikel Sol has been saying in some of his messages from the publishers in Team Fanteman about the budget for 2021. Uh, so it looks like they're going to see some sort of um, significant increase in budget, which um, we've spoken in the podcast before about um, how previous years there's been a lot of news stories in this year, despite it being the 70th anniversary, there hasn't been the news stories or maybe for that reason or whatever. Um, certainly some um, Scandinavian fans are saying, well, hang on, why are there no news stories all of a sudden? Um, but the budget for, for future years looks like increasing to allow for those news stories to come back again. Yeah, in Phantom Man 8 2020, uh, which was this is going back in the start of August, so it's about, uh, you know, almost two months away two months ago. Um, Thomas, uh, who's everyone on Facebook will know, actually um, raised the question. Mikel Sol was basically, as we said before, very open, very honest. Um, and he's basically announced that the budget for news stories for 2021 has been increased. And I can confirm that because I just received an email from a phantom creator who has actually said that I'm one of you. She has started inking a new Phantom story. So, um, yeah. So it's, you know, Phantom Maybe creators. People, uh, people to work out who, who that is. Uh, uh, a Phantom artist, I imagine, an inker. 
per chance? <laughs> oh, elementary. Uh, or, uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah. Was this artist featured in the Chronicle Chamber Bushfire fundraiser book by any chance, Jimmo? Yes, she was. <laughs> right, so anyone who's purchased that, go and have a look at your Chronicle, uh, at, your, at your Bushfire book to try and work out who this is. So, yeah, so it, 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 it's great news to see um, uh, creators creating new stories. And we probably won't see any of them for 2020, but we should see them for 2021, which is, is, is brilliant news. And a huge shout-out to Mikel Soul for basically being honest with the readers, which is what we all like. Yeah, and, I, and, and that's a, a theme that's recurred now, isn't it? Because we talked about yeah. Dudley and the way that he responded to his um, messages, uh, to, to his fan and forum letters, um, quite honest and upfront and, and um, blunt. And to hear the same from Mikel, um, you know, these are the two major publishing houses of regular fandom comics. And so um, for, for us to enjoy the approach of both editors, um, you know, fandom books are in good hands at the moment. Yeah, and I think... Today's society, especially our generation and younger, we want the truth. We want to be told things. We like to see progress of things, whether it's on an artist showing progress or an artist drawing something or, you know, that's the generation. We want news. We want to be told stuff. We don't like being lied to. And it's good that the editors and the publishers are following through and, and listening to what the fans want. Yeah. And, and it doesn't all need to be ahead of time either because I know there's still that surprise element. We've talked about this so many times in various podcasts yeah, yeah. about previews and sneak peeks versus um, the, the, the anticipation and the surprise. Um, I really like, for instance, what Mike Manley and Jeff Weigel do. Um, they both, uh, obviously, the, the Daily and the Sunday Artist respectively, um, Mike particularly is quite prolific on Facebook, but what he what they both do is they publish their phantom stories or they or, or they post their phantom stories almost immediately, not quite immediately, not far after they're published publicly. Um, and I really like the way Mike, for instance, will publish. Well, he he does it sort of once a week, and here's the last seven, four, five, six, seven phantom um, strips in a row. I actually quite like that as a way of keeping up to date with the the daily story because I don't always remember to check it every day, but I can go to Mike's post and go, oh, here's the last four, five, six, seven days. Yeah. And when they show sneaks of, uh, they usually show a close-up or a panel. And we've talked about this, uh, Grange mentioned the same thing in episode 168 as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right. Um, now, the last bit of news that we've got, um, switching back to Australia now, I suppose, and, and speaking of newspapers and speaking of the newspaper stories, um, unfortunately, COVID has had a pretty dramatic hit on the way that The Phantom is being published, I guess, in, in hard copy, in paper form, in newspapers around the country, with just a, a truckload of Australian regional newspapers being cancelled um, for for the reason of low distribution numbers, no printing numbers, not low sale numbers. I get it. It's a business decision. Um, but we have seen just a, a veritable truckload of <coughs> regional um, newspapers get cancelled. And as a result, that those physical copies of the Phantom Strip um, no longer appearing, and in many cases, not even appearing on their, their website anymore. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, so how do you handle your favourite newspaper, the Fraser Coast Chronicle, being cancelled? <laughs> Fraser Coast Chronicle, I live just outside their catchment area. Uh, so despite the, the fibs I tell in my classes about my great-great-aunt Eliza and uh, Uncle John Fraser both being stranded on the island, and that's what the name is... The, the island's named after. Um, yeah, they're, they're not on my regular reading list, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, but no, it, it's sad news. Now, obviously the Phantom's a byproduct of this decision. Um, so, you know, it, unfortunately there's not much we can do about it. Um, but in saying that, King Features need to be smarter than what they are currently doing. They cannot just rely on the Phantom being in newspapers because the newspaper is a dying art. When was the last time you? When was the last time you brought a newspaper? I I used to be a once a day newspaper reader. I really did up until about probably six years ago, and then I started moving towards digital. Um, I still read the newspaper every day, but it's all digital. Um, I can. Oh, it would be at least six months or a year since I picked up a physical copy of a newspaper to read, at least. And that's why the newspapers are being canned. The, yeah. uh, the last time I picked up a newspaper was when I was using it as a kindling for a, a barbecue. <laughs> what are we going to use once newspapers <laughs> don't exist? Well, we don't have yellow pages either. Um, <laughs> We're stuffed. But- <laughs> we go back to the flint and bloody coconut husk. <laughs> but so this is the point: is that King Features they have to come up with a new, especially. All right, look, we're biased, and we think the Phantom's the best thing since sliced bread. Maybe it was created before sliced bread, but that's beside the point. <laughs> it's been around a long um, time. <laughs> <laughs> we love the Phantom. We know what, what it's worth and we over-inflate over it and stuff like that. But King Features are still making money from the Phantom. So if they want the Phantom, plus all these other characters they've got, they've got Mantrake, they've got Flash Gordon, they've got Betty Boop, they've got Hagar and all these other type of characters that they're trying to make money from. If they want to make money from them, they can't rely on it just being in a newspaper. So they need to wake up, smell the roses and realise that newspapers are dying and they need to come up with other avenues where they can make money from this. Otherwise, the Phantom will never be in a newspaper anymore. Yeah. Oh, and, and that day is coming when the, the last newspaper happens and, the, and they're going to be relying on um, Comics Kingdom, I guess, and, and people subscribing to that. It's going to be really interesting and challenging for them to transition. I'm sure you know, there are people whose full-time job this is to make sure that the, the transition is happening. I'm sure they're all aware of everything that we're saying. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how it happens every time we talk to a news, anyone related to the newspapers, whether that, and, and most recently and currently, I suppose, that would be Tony DePaul, Mike Manley, Jeff Weigel. They all acknowledge the challenges there and sort of are, are counting their lucky stars every month that it continues. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll just see how it goes and, and, and what avenue format that um, that still has up its sleeve. But anyway, I guess the, the cancellation of all these newspapers across regional Australia and it's uh, all News Corp newspapers 
uh, it's just um, it's a step in that direction. It's a it's a big step. It's a it's a COVID enforced step. Uh, it's another another instance of the pandemic having a, a big influence, and I guess reaching out into the fandom world on this occasion. Yeah. So King Features KFS, please, please, please evolve the Phantom into more than just a syndicated newspaper character. With please do it. <coughs> Netflix. <coughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, that brings us pretty well to the end of the news. Um, now, before we sign off, I, uh, on behalf of both Jermaine and I, um, we need to say a huge personal thanks and a, and a huge Chronicle Chamber thanks to Matt Kime um, for helping us out with the podcasts of recent times. Now, he loves it. Yeah, there's no doubt about this. He, he loves doing what he's been doing. Every time he has produced a, a review of a story for us, um, he, he checks with us. Um, over the top almost, I reckon, about is it okay? Can I give you this? Can I give you this? Um, we love what he's doing. We love the fact that he's been helping us out uh, with the podcast. It's kept us moving at a time where, uh, for various reasons, both Jermaine and I have been particularly busy with our personal and our work lives. Um, and so helping keep the podcast come out as a regular thing um, has been fantastic. So we really appreciate your work there, Matt. Um, love what you do. Um, if you, um, as a listener, if you are or a viewer on, on, on YouTube, because he does design them specifically designed for YouTube as well, which is just amazing. Um, I'm glad he doesn't want to usurp us because he could. Um, don't listen to that bit, Matt. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you like what he's doing, you'd like to see more of that, whether it's from Matt or, or particular in-depth reviews on stories, let us know because if there's a particular story that you'd love uh, either Matt or yeah, I'm just going to offer him up, um, either Matt or ourselves to do that sort of in-depth review on, please let us know. Yeah, no, I've really enjoyed them. Um, it, it's, it's great getting a different voice out there as well. So it's not just us all the time. Um, and it's put, it's taken the pressure of us, you know, COVID I've, you know, I've had to basically step up at my job as well. Um, which means I've actually had to work rather than, um, <laughs> Doing this uh, as well, which has been. Um, which I have is, noticed that you you message less in your work hours than you used to. Oh, mate! When the boss decides to sell the business and, and put it on you to uh, train all the staff and uh, be in charge of the handover and stuff like that without extra pay, it uh, it does cut into your phantoming time. <laughs> it's a disgrace. This work business, isn't it? <laughs> oh, I reckon, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's a huge. It, it's really grateful. Um, really, I've been I've been enjoying them. I'm looking forward to the episode after this one. After what? So this is episode one sixty nine. All right. So Next I, I tell a little bit about this, but provide some sizzle for the fans. What's going on? So episode one seventy, Matt is actually going to be reviewing his all time favorite Phantom story. So. Um, yeah, so it will be interesting to see if people can guess it beforehand and then when they listen to it, whether they will um, be surprised or not. Now, it was probably in my top 10 guesses. The two that I chose were in his top well, well, what was let's, let's go back to the clues that Matt provided us. Um, he said it was a, a, a story from the 80s. Yes, and he said that it was not a Cy Barry story. Yes. So make of that what you will, I reckon. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> so um, looking forward, looking forward to, to listening to that one and to hearing the viewer reaction to that one. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right. So um, thanks, Matt. And, uh, and again, all the best with what you're doing. So that pretty much sums us up. Is there anything else you want to talk about, Jim, before I run through these last little bits? No. I'll won't look at my phone just in case someone else has emailed us or, or messaged is. us. But, yeah. Um, and, and, look, feel free to cut this out. Um, do we want to talk at all about the uh, Lee Fork Memorial Bangala Explorer Club dinner website? Well, I guess so. We might as well because that has been announced. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so basically one of our projects which we will be working on after our current project which we can't talk about at the moment mm. so this is our next project which will be hopefully finished before the end of the year is we are working on resurrecting the old um, Australian chapter of the LF. MBEC, Lee Fortman Memorial Bengala Explorers Club dinner website. Um, so um, Richard has asked us to help him out with that. So we've created a design. He's happy with it. Now we're just gathering all the information. Um, so we're looking forward to putting all of that together. Uh, it's going to be a nice big job. But, um, yeah, really looking forward to kind of getting that back Um so people can look at it and look at the history that has spanned 30 plus dinners. Yeah. And um, I guess as part of wrapping up, um, we're really proud to be able to do something like that, but we're especially proud and thankful again to our Patreon supporters, because again, starting up a website you, you for, for this purpose costs money. There's domain names to hire, there's webs, there's, um, off-site storage and all the rest of it um, that costs money. And without the Patreon supporters, it's not something that we could have ever said to Richard that we were going to do. Um, so it's just another example of um, what the, the P3 and the Patreon supporters um, are, are able to supply for us. And uh, we're super grateful for that. Yeah, yeah. And if you are a Patreon, we will give you a sneak peek before it actually goes live as well. Yeah, perfect, perfect. All right. Well, with all of that said, you can find the links to our Patreon on our website, chroniclechamber.com. Um, as always, email us with any suggestions. Maybe this time for uh, other stories you'd like, Matt, or, or ourselves to review, or even to send in your own review of your own favourite story. You can email all of that stuff through to chroniclechamber at gmail.com. Um, as I said out at the top of the program, um, we hope that you subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you do so, um, please give us a review there. Nice and positive. It'd be good. Um, because that helps with the algorithms, as I understand it, and all the rest of it. Uh, we're also on Spotify, um, obviously YouTube as well. And if um, you can subscribe to us via your own personal apps, whether that's whatever it is on, on uh, Android uh, or watch us on YouTube, as I said, um, YouTube search chroniclejammer.com as well. Um, until next time, thank you very much for listening, for watching us, whatever you're doing. And uh, happy fandoming, Jermaine. Happy fandoming, listeners, and happy fandoming, Dan. Ashore, the sole survivor of a shipwreck And upon the skull of the man who killed his dad He said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy Injustice and cruelty And all my sons will follow me So evildoers will believe that this man cannot die The Phantom The ghost who walks The Phantom Enemies beware The Phantom's always there But you won't find the Phantom 
Bye.